to another episode of the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Trambox, and with me as always, Timothy Rare. What's good, Thomas? How you doing, bro? Not much, Tim. Uh, doing pretty good, feeling a little bit better, and as usual, another podcast guest taps out on us. It's just the way of the podcast life, I guess. It's a tough life. It, it is. You <laughs> thought being uh, involved in boxing was bad. Podcasting is just as bad, sadly. Going over a quick recap of the weekend, there wasn't a ton of great action besides that day's end. Well, actually, it was ESPN Plus card. They had Vasily Lomachenko beating Luke Campbell by unanimous decision. It kind of went as we expected. Uh, I remember we were both kind of thinking a late stoppage to like a 117-111 type decision, 118-110. And it, it pretty much went along that uh, once – Lomachenko, I think, figured out Campbell's height and being southpaw and everything, and he turned up the gas in the second half of the fight, and he came close to getting – well, it looked like he came close a couple times getting Campbell out of there, but Campbell was able to hold on. He proved a good fight, but he just didn't have the firepower to stay with Lomachenko or the boxing savvy. I looked like um, in the first couple of rounds that – Campbell was trying to use that long jab and that distance. And like you said, Lomachenko, Lomachenko figured him out. And I have to say, like, Lomachenko's one of these fighters where you know he's great and he just kind of surprises you every time that you watch him. Because I think he fought a really, really, really good fight, man, um, against a guy who's tall and is not necessarily easy to look good against. Uh, I also think, you know, People kind of forget that Lomachenko is, is this this really isn't his his natural weight, 35. And the fact that he's almost an undisputed champion at division just goes to show his greatness. I actually, you know what, I think even higher Lomachenko after this fight, to be honest with you, even though I predicted that he was going to finish in around the eighth or ninth round and that didn't materialize. But, you know, just the fact that, um, you know, he, he knocked him down the 11th, uh, the stamina looked beautiful. The the um, he had a really really uh crisp jab. The head movement was nice. You know the body punching was was fantastic. I think it was a very impressive uh performance by Lomachenko. And I kind of just think you know aside from the fight, I kind of just think it's time for fans to, you know, I see in in a lot of boxing groups, you know, people kind of just get down on him. I, I don't I just don't understand it. Lomachenko's been having tough fights his entire career. And you can't think of much fighters who had from the very beginning tough fights. You know, so props to him. I'm seeing a lot of people for some reason saying that Javante Davis is going to knock him out or Mikey Garcia would knock him out. I just don't see it, man. Lomachenko is truly greatness that fans should uh, appreciate because, you know, one day he's going to be retired, man, and then we're going to, Look back at his greatness in retrospect, but it was a great performance and a, a good night um, uh, for the Ukrainian. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think a lot of people just 
don't like the technical boxing side of things. They want more of, you know, two guys brawling and, you know, things like that, which I understand. But I, I, I think last broadcast I said, I don't think Lomachenko's boring either. I think the only way he's been boring is just that some of his fights are so one-sided. But it's not like you stated that he's even fighting bad competition. I mean, Luke Campbell was a top 10 guy easy in that division. If you go back to the Nicholas Walters fight, he dominated him. If you go back to the Riganow fight, you know, granted, Riganow went up in weight, but also Riganow was the one that kept clamoring for the fight, and look what happened. He got dominated. Uh, Jason Sosa is going to be fighting Burchelt soon. He got dominated. You know, everybody that he's fought, Gary Russell was pretty close, but Gary Russell is also, I think, an elite-level talent that's just not fighting elite fighters to be considered an elite-level talent. But talent-wise, I think Russell is right up there. Uh, you know, I, I thought Lomachenko, I think, won that one, 117, 111 my card. So he lost a few rounds. But, you know, your third fight, you went out and you beat Gary Russell for a vacant belt. I mean, that, you know, to me, says all that there is to say about the man. I absolutely agree. People forget about that. I mean, like you said, talent-wise, um, I I would disagree with you a little bit on Gary Russell. I do think he's an elite fighter that just for some reason wants to fight once a year. He's, you know... Debatably, he is the best featherweight in the world. Lomachenko beat him in a third fight, and he beat him pretty easily. Lomachenko has a borderline Hall of Fame career, and he's not even 20 fights into it, man. I mean, it's it's beyond impressive. Like you said, um, he's a technical fighter, but his fights are not boring. His his fights are definitely not. I wouldn't call this fight with Luke Campbell boring. I thought it was actually. A pretty entertaining fight. Um, the fight with Rigondeaux was kind of a stinker. I ain't gonna lie. And uh, Nicholas Walters, I mean, he just dominated. You can't, you can't even say anything about that fight if one man just completely dominates the other. Of course, it's pretty much gonna be a stinker. But Lomachenko is definitely a great fighter, man. And um, I assume that the next fight for him is gonna be the winner of Comey and Lopez, which I definitely look forward to. And I give Lomachenko the edge in that, even though. Um, you know, I, I like Comey and Lopez as fighters, but uh, Lomachenko is just on a different level. Well, I think you misunderstood what I said about Russell. I think Russell is an elite talent-wise, but he just hasn't been able to showcase it because, like you said, he fights once a year, and he's not fighting other top-notch fighters, except for Lomachenko, which he lost, which is no, you know, nothing to knock him about. But, you know, I, I just think if Russell can showcase his skills against you know, people in that division like Leo Santa Cruz or uh, who else in that division? Valdez. Well, Valdez moved up. But Warrington, you know, if he can get the bigger fights, I think we'll really see what Russell's made out of. But I think talent wise, he's an elite guy as far as talent. But we have to see him, you know, use that against other fighters. But apparently one of the rumors I heard about Lomachenko was that before the Kami Lopez fight, he's supposed to go back down to 130. The rumor is, and Frampton is supposed to move up to 130, and they're supposed to fight in the interim until the the Kami and Lopez gets figured out. I mean, I guess for a stay busy fight, it's not terrible because realistically, Lomachenko is not really a 135 pound fighter. I don't. If that happens, I don't see him having any real issues with Frampton. I think he stops him late. But again, if the Lopez Kami is happening in uh, December 14th. And Lomachenko wants to keep himself busy with something in that same month or maybe January. I mean, why not? I mean, I I don't think Frampton's a cakewalk, but Lomachenko shouldn't have any problems with him. But, you know, he's earned the right to 
take on Frampton, in my opinion, if he wants to at 130. I, I agree. I agree. It's definitely um, a state fight because, you know, I, I think you and me would both agree that Frampton doesn't have what it takes at this point to beat Lomachenko. But it's a state busy fight. Uh, there's no way that I don't, you know, that I don't see him. Um, I mean, he he ha- he would have the chance to become an undisputed champion at 35 if he faces the winner of Comey and Lopez. So I don't see him passing up on that fight. So I guess the bottom line is I look forward to seeing him in the ring again. Definitely, definitely, and it's it's interesting. With uh, Haney is supposedly going to call out Lomachenko after his next fight, and I love Haney. I think he's a great prospect. Well, he's kind of bordering on contender, if not already a contender. But to me, let's say Lomachenko beats the winner of Lopez Cobb, argument's sake. I honestly believe that he may drop back down to 130 again for the simple fact he unifies 135. I think they know that 140 is too big for him. And all the big names, really. I mean, I guess you could say the Tank Davis, but at the same time, he's moving up to 135. He's supposed to be fighting Gamboa which we called out a few uh, a month or two back when he Gamboa fought on an undercard. And that's just a terrible fight. And nothing against Haney, nothing against Tank Davis, but if you want to fight for all four belts against the unified champion at 135, I really want to see you guys fight somebody before that. Or have Haney and Davis fight each other, and then if Loma does stay at 135, then the winner can face Loma, and I'd be okay with that. Unfortunately, I feel like Tank Davis has promoted himself in such a way uh, kind of similar to Adrian Broner in that he is big without the resume, resume behind it. So him and Lomachenko is a big fight, even though Davis in the ring hasn't earned it, but promotionally he has. Uh, Devin Haney is not a big fight, and promotionally... I, I, I don't see how that fight could uh, – I mean, Haney would have to build a, a, a bigger following, in my opinion. That that would just – to me, for Lomachenko or, or for top ranks, it just that, that wouldn't be a smart fight at all. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I really rather see the guys earn it inside the ring. And, unfortunately, in today's boxing world, that's not or always necessarily the case. But we'll, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. But like you said, the Davis Loma is a big fight. I would just rather tank earn it by getting you know one thirty five and facing somebody that's not Gamboa. Earned it if he would have stayed uh, at thirty and faced Tevin Farmer. Let's say he would have absolutely you know fucking mopped the floor with um with Tevin Farmer. Uh, that would have been impressive to me. That would have earned all the credit that he's getting now that he hasn't earned if that makes any sense because he gets a lot of credit for a career that really has been fucking shitty as far as opposition i mean his hardest fight was pedraza who was fucking weight drained and now he's going up to face a washed up gamboa i mean he he has not earned anything in a ring uh but i mean floyd has done a fucking great job by promoting him to this monster that that people are fooled to think that he's going to beat Lomachenko. So, you know, props to Floyd for doing that, man. Yeah, Gamboa's got one more left in him. Now's the time to show it. Just, if you could land some type of Hail Mary punch and just 
put the whole idea just out to the pasture. That have helped me out a lot in life. On the undercard of the Lomachenko-Campbell card, we had Fury losing to Bevekin. Again, Fury just, he's not a good heavyweight, uh, to put it easily. He's just a, a, a UK heavyweight. He needs to really stay on the UK scene. He's not a world heavyweight. And every time he steps up, it, it really shows. Pavetkin is, I wouldn't call him washed up, but um, like you said, he's, he's certainly not his brother, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I just don't think, like you said, I, don't, I just don't think much of him. Uh, I just don't see, obviously, Pavetkin winning means absolutely nothing as far as the heavyweight picture. Um, I mean, who the fuck is he going to face, to be honest with you? I mean, maybe uh, a fight I would actually like to see him in. And I can't believe we're talking about Pavetkin and potential fights, but a fight that I would like to see him in would be him and uh, uh, Konoski. Would actually be a pretty interesting fight to me. But uh, yeah, Fury sucks, man. <laughs> to, to put it point blank, um, if he if he was able to have a, a fight with Sam Peters, you know, thirty times, then he would be thirty and over thirty knockouts. But he can't, so he's not his brother, and uh, you know, does some bare knuckle boxing. Why not do it gypsy style? Also an undercard, uh, a prospect I like at light heavyweight, Joshua Watsi. He beat Ryan Ford, knockout in the seventh. The one punch did look a little bit low, but also at the same time, Ford was in trouble and down before in trouble. So I, I think it was only a matter of time before Ford was actually getting stopped there. But on to some other news. We ended last week's show talking about the Spence Porter pay-per-view and your dislike and my liking of the pay-per-view. So we'll kind of run down the pay-per-view card really quick. Um, obviously, the Errol Spence against Sean Porter is the main event, unification of the WBC and IBF welterweight titles. You have Anthony Durrell defending his WBC super middleweight title against David Benavides, Mario Barres, and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, Akhmedov, sounds good. Uh, going for the WBA super lightweight title. And also, Jose Zito Lopez and John Molina are going to be in a welterweight clash. So that is the pay-per-view card, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think nothing really should be a pay-per-view anymore, but if I was going to buy this one, I wouldn't feel terrible because I think it's a lot of action fights. Okay, here's my problem with it. I... Partially agree that, yeah, it's a lot of action fights. Bar Barrios is an action fighter. Obviously, Lopez and um, Molina are action fighters. Uh, Benavides is an action fighter. So, yeah, I agree with you on that account. My whole problem is this. My whole problem that is if you are paying money, which no one pays money anymore. Everyone streams. Uh, shout out to any streaming service. Fuck anyone who charges to watch boxing. But if you are going to pay for it, if you're stupid enough to pay for this, it should be matchups of fighters that we know. Or not that we know, because we, we know who they are, but fighters that are contenders or stars. I mean, I remember, I think when... I could be totally wrong about this, but I think when Canelo fought Floyd... Now, I could be wrong about this, but wasn't a co-main event Matisse versus Garcia? I don't think so. What, what, what was the main event for Matisse and Garcia? I know it was a Floyd fight. 
I'll look it up real quick, actually, because I got the computer right there, so I would look it up. Yeah, but you see, that is a pay-per-view fight right there. I, I can't I can't say that a guy who is 7-0 that's not named Lomachenko is on a fucking pay-per-view. I, you can't even pronounce the guy's last name. Like, how, how can this guy be on a pay-per-view? How can two fucking fading fighters in Lopez and Molina be on a pay-per-view? If this but was... If this was a free card, then I'm all I'm all for it. But if you gotta pay for something like this, it should be the it should be stars or contenders on that card. That, that's all I'm saying. I don't mind the style matchups. I don't mind people getting their shine. But if you're gonna pay for something, it should be all four fights should be quality fights. Of uh, you know. Like, Darrell and Benavides is probably going to be a fucking blowout. Benavides is probably going to blow him out. Darrell that was me- actually, um, not to cut you off, the Garcia-Matisse was the undercard, actually. You're right. But also, you had Carlos Molina against Ishii Smith and Pablo Cesar Cano against Ashley Therafane, whatever the hell his last name that, is. That's because, that's because he was, they were, Ashley and uh, Ishii were Floyd fighters. What can you do? Yeah, but overall... <laughs> That undercard, you're getting all right. Garcia, Matisse, the other two fights are, are pretty, are pretty suspect at best. And here, I think Lopez Molina is a good opener. It's going to be just two guys tricking bombs. Darrell Benavides, I don't, I think Benavides should win, but Darrell's not a pushover, and he's the champ. Thirty-one, one and one. I mean, and Barrios is a good prospect. The other guy I'm unfamiliar with, but I know he was an Olympian for, I believe he fought Turkey. They're not putting a 7-0 guy in to get blown out in a major title fight. So, I mean, we'll find out what he's really made of, you know, on the 28th. But I'm kind of thinking this guy's coming to, you know, win the fight. And he's not going to, you know, get blown out in a couple of rounds. He probably may actually win from what I hear of him. So you have the Molina Lopez is probably a pick him fight, in my mm-hmm. opinion. The barrios Akmado fight, that's probably close to pick him. Benavides is probably going to be favored over Darrell, but it's not going to be too high, I don't think. So you have three fights on paper that are really close to being 50-50. Okay. And I, I think Spence is favored too high on Porter. Spence should win, but I think I think um, the odds are a little bit closer than what they suggest. But that, to me, for a welterweight unification fight, is a really good fight, too. So I think this pay-per-view, top to bottom, is better than the Floyd... Thurman pay-per-view we were just talking about a couple months back. If there was no no such thing as streaming, right? Yeah. Would you pay for this fight? I would, because I'm a Spence fan. I'd pay in that just alone. We're not talking about the main event. Yeah, I I think all the other three fights are good. You're crazy, Thomas. I would not pay for this, man. I would not pay for it. How is it in July? You thought the Pacquiao pay-per-view was good when this undercard is better than the Pacquiao Thurman undercard. I thought the Pacquiao pay-per-view was good. When, <laughs> when did I say that? You did say it was good. On that yeah, show, you said this was a great pay-per-view undercard. I can't even remember the Pacquiao Thurman pay-per-view, man. Oh, I know, I, I know uh, uh, and Molina were supposed to fight. That is... I, I just because I'm a Lipinet fan, that to me is a good fight because Lipinet is a contender. He's he's a guy who gave Mikey Garcia a close fight. He he's he's a contender in my eyes. Um, 
Plant and Lee, we all knew what was going to happen. That That is a shitty fight. And I don't even remember what the other fight was. What was the other fight? I don't Plant and Lee was on the TV. They had Neri and they had Yugas and um, Figueroa. Yeah. And when did I say this was a good pay-per-view? We're going to have to go back and review that tape. <clears throat> to fans out there, if they're thinking about buying this, I think it's worthwhile money-wise because I think all four fights are going to be competitive. And if you're going to have a pay-per-view, you want four fights that are going to be competitive, going to be fun to watch style-wise, and you have obviously contender David Benavides and the Barrios and the other guy, uh, Akmadov, I'm not too familiar with, but they're both undefeated prospects, and they have Lopez and Molina just going to chuck bombs at each other. All right. As a fan, I'm going to be watching because I love boxing. And as you said, I think the main event is actually going to be pretty good. I think I think Sean Porter, good fighter. I think Spence is a good fighter. Uh, it's a unification. Uh, so I think that's actually a very good fight to watch. I don't like the pay-per-view for the principle of it. Not the talent, but the principle of it that I think there should be more contenders and stars. But if Styles make fights, uh, obviously Lopez and Molina is not a bad fight if you go style-wise. I just don't think that two people coming off a loss should be on a pay-per-view. I don't think someone with seven fights should be on a pay-per-view. The co-main event is okay. I mean, Benavidez versus Durrell, like you said, Durrell, he is what he is. I don't think he has any chance against Benavidez, but I, I'll probably be wrong. But you know what, man? Maybe it'll be a good pay-per-view. I don't know. You know, fuck it. But it's not one that is one that I'm going to stream. I'm not going to buy that shit. And uh, I I hope that everyone that's listening streams it. Oh, by all means, if people can save money, go for the stream. But <laughs> I mean, if you have no streaming option, I don't think it's a bad one to you know buy or even go to the theater to watch where I think theater is like $15 or whatever. And it kind of feels like you're sitting in the crowd because everyone's cheering or whatever the case may be. But on to other news, we'll quickly talk about it just because it's semi-boxing related. Apparently, a lot of people are giving Eddie Hearn some beef about putting this Logan Paul KSI rematch on the Days End channel. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I have my own thoughts. Uh, what are you thinking about um, You know, Days End and Eddie Hearn streaming this fight as a main event? It's, it's fucking terrible, man. It's terrible, bro. I mean, these motherfuckers, they're YouTube stars. I don't even know who the, I know who Logan Paul, I don't even know who the other guy is, man. I just, there's some, there's so much better opportunities to have better fights. I get the, the marketing point of view, you know, from this fight, but I, I just, I can't support that shit, man. Like that, that it's not going to bring any new boxing fans in, you know, there's no, there's, it, it might be it's like a it's it's just an exhibition, man. It's not gonna bring any fans that are gonna repeatedly watch the uh the zone fights or repeatedly watch, you know, Billy Joe Saunders or Devin Haney or any of it people that are gonna watch this can't even name any of Eddie Hearn's fighters or the promotional company that Eddie Hearns has. So I I don't have any interest in this main event. I think it's stupid. Uh you and me off the off the show talked about the marketing aspect of it, and you know, I, I'm guessing you'll show those points in a in a in your retort. But 
I just don't think that it's um it's good for boxing. I I don't. It's a fucking it's an exhibition, man. It's like it's like when Floyd fought Connor. You you're not gonna get any new boxing fans because Floyd fought Connor, man. You know it's it's stupid. So that's my opinion on it. I mean, I look at it like this: the first fight between these two fuckheads brought in over 150 million of revenue. That alone tells me put on this fight, especially with days in losing out on. The big fights, you know, losing out. We don't know what the hell Canelo's doing. The Joshua Wilder has been flushed down the toilet for a while. Um, you know, the the Ruiz jo- um, Joshua should bring in some good revenue. But if you could put these two ass clowns on and get over $150 million and put on the undercard, you know, Saunders, Haney, maybe one, two other guys to get them at least staying active and get them out and exposed to different audience. And like you said, I don't think a ton of fans are going to be huge boxing fans after this, but you got to tell me if X amount of people go and watch this, there's going to be a few people that are going to become boxing fans. I'm not saying it's going to be like 14 million new boxing fans, but you're going to get a few people that are going to watch this, watch the card, unfamiliar with boxing, and they'll be like, hey, you know, this is kind of fun. I want to see him. What happens on next card or whatever the case may be? Because to be a boxing fan, you got to start somewhere. I started only because my dad was a boxing fan and he didn't follow any of the sports. All my sports teams are scattered throughout the U.S., but I became a boxing fan through him. And what I noticed with like our generation age group, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but a lot of my friends from back home, they, uh, you know, once I left, they don't really follow boxing without me being there. You know, they used to we we gather at the house and we eat and drink and watch the fights and things like that. But since I've been gone, only like one or two people still follows boxing. So boxing really needs something that crosses over and brings in, even if it's a minuscule amount of new fans, just to keep the future generations of fans going. All these guys that all these guys that follow Jake Paul and this other guy, they got to be young because it's YouTube stars, YouTube generation. So I think if you're going to introduce boxing to somebody, that age range of 12 to 16, 17, which is probably most of the people that follow these guys, maybe even younger, now would be the time. And again, I don't think you can get millions of new fans, but I think at least you're going to get a few new fans. They're going to see the Paul fight against this KSI kid, and they're going to like that. And maybe they'll see Devin Haney and be like, oh, that guy – Haney was good in the undercard, or maybe with Billy Joe Saunders, even though his fights aren't exciting. But, you know, when he fucks around, somebody misses a punch, he's looking in the crowd, or the way he clowns people in the ring and stuff like that. Maybe somebody will take to that and be like, oh, this guy showboats. That was kind of funny. I want to see his next fight. And again, it, boxing has to do something. And everyone's like, boxing's not dead. And it's not dead. But what happens when, you know, our generation gets old, passes away? What other generations are going to – it just seems every generation follows boxing less and less, whereas my son gets older and he has a son. It just seems to me boxing at that point – I mean, we'll be long gone, but boxing at that point would probably be against the ropes because it's like how do you build a new fan base? I think we covered this a while back in one of the other shows, but it just seems like boxing has to do something to get a crossover appeal and – I'm not saying this would be 10 million new fans, but I think this can help bring in a certain amount of new fans. Well, here's what I, here, here's the thing. 
I think the way that you bring in new boxing fans, and this is what's missing from the sport now, and it's missing from the sport very badly, is the premise of the best fighting the best. I, I believe if you do that, it's gonna bring it's gonna bring the fans to the sport. If you have Spence fight Terrence Crawford, that will bring fans to the sport. If you would have originally had Deontay Wilder fight Anthony Joshua, that would have brought fans to the sport. The only way I think you can have fans come to the sport, and UFC has done a, a magnificent job at doing this, is you have the best fight the best. That to me is. Is not having two YouTubers fight. Then I feel like Eddie Hearns, Bob Arum, uh, Tom Brown, whoever the fuck is promoting Al Heyman's fights, has they failed as promoters because Matchroom Boxing has fantastic prospects on it. I think they had Bivol, they had Demetrius Andres, they have um, uh, fucking Anthony Joshua, they have all these guys, and you're telling me that the answer with all these great guys in your roster. And all these events that you can make is having this shit. The best fighting the best to me, unless it's mega stars, they're not going to do anything. Better Beavs fighting the nail. That's the best fighting the best. You know how many like fans are going to come to that? That aren't boxing fans? Absolutely nobody. Because no one knows who the fuck they are. They have to get outside bigger than life stars. In the 80s, you had Tyson. You know, before that, you had Ali. Even Chris Nassim to an extent, Floyd Mayweather recently, people that can be recognized outside the sport is what boxing needs. Mm. And they just don't have that. Like I said a few shows back, with the WWE has the same issue where, you know, you see them bringing The Undertaker back from the grave or you see Hogan coming back and all because the WWE doesn't push and promote their own stars, which kind of goes to the point of you saying the best fighting the best. But Boxing has to find a way to get out more to, in my opinion, the more mass appeal of people where I think, again, the best fighting the best doesn't matter because, again, better beef. No one knows who he or the nail is. You know, you can have the best fight the best, but no one's going to know who these guys still are unless they get a crossover appeal or if you get some like sports center to follow boxing more closely and you know, if you have boxing on NBC or CBS, like growing up, it used to be on. I remember watching Whitaker and um, McGirt, I think it was on CBS in the afternoon. You know, an afternoon boxing like that on a Sunday that's off from the NFL schedule. Something like that where, you know, more people have to be accessible to boxing and not just. I mean, Dazen and ESPN Plus are reasonably priced, but if you're not a boxing fan, you're not just to subscribe for any single reason just to watch boxing if you're not a fan. So you really have to do a better job of, you know, PBC as a Fox Sports, but and every now and then the Fox, which is helpful, but they have to get boxing out to the mainstream, the public in some ways. And I think this is a way to do it because you're if this last fight made 150 million plus in American money and the highest. It was, what, $10 for a YouTube pay-per-view? <clears throat> so you got to do the math on that, how many people actually ordered this. And the, how many people actually streamed it, they said they lost another X amount of money. $12 million, they, they estimate. I think it's going to bring us some new fans. I'm not saying a lot, but I think that boxing has to go outside the realm of what they're doing now to 
draw people in. And unfortunately, a lot of these new guys that are really good or have been good, Lomachenko, Govalkin, uh, Canelo, a lot of these guys are foreign and they can't speak English. And this just goes to the U.S., but also other countries as well. I mean, obviously, Canelo speaks Spanish. If you live in the U.K., you don't understand what the hell he's saying. But it has to find a way to, to get out and be more mainstream. But I think something like this could help. And I think something on, you know, the Sunday afternoon CBS fights, you know, something like that where, you know, again, the best fight and the best definitely will help. But take me, for example, I like boxing. I don't watch any UFC. The best fight and the best. I can't name anybody besides maybe four or five top stars. Not to knock the UFC and say it isn't good. And the structure is good because obviously it's more of a, a league than a sport. Well, you uh, mix martial arts. Arts is a sport, UFC is a league. But boxing can never actually do that because obviously you have so many different promoters. But take me, for example, again, I can't name anybody in the UFC. The best to fight the best, and I don't really care. I mean, it's just not for me. And I think, again, with boxing, you know, better be versus nail is a great fight. You know, where they have, um, what was coming up on the 14th? Comey and Lopez. That's a great fight for that division. You know, Terrence Crawford's fighting the, you know, undefeated guy is going to beat the green machine. But still, if you're not a boxing fan, who's going to follow those fights? I have to say, um, we've done a lot of, well, not a lot of podcasts, but we've done, uh, what is this, uh, 13, 14, something like that? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and I have to say that that was a fantastic um, rant that you want on right now. I have to say, listen, the numbers don't lie. And Logan Paul versus whoever the fuck this guy is. What's his name? KSL? KSI, I think. Well, whatever the fuck his name is. The numbers don't lie. Yes, it made a lot of money. Maybe we'll bring a couple of fans to the sport. Probably not. But if you're optimistic, maybe it will. My problem is, and, and like I said, if this main event happens, it is what it is. For what it's worth, I'm not going to watch it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people that are much younger than you and me will watch it. My whole question is where the fuck has boxing went wrong <laughs> that this that you have to resort to this shit? Like it's crazy the fact that there is so many worthy boxers. Uh you you mentioned two of them and probably what's gonna be the fight of the year. There's so many worthy boxers out there, casual fans can't grasp onto the fact that these guys are great and put their viewership towards people who deserve it. Um, now, I don't expect the 16 or a 17-year-old to do that. I don't because they're the ones who support this kind of this kind of fight. But I also don't expect them to commit further to the sport after this fight. So, which was the same thing to me with Connor and Floyd. I keep using that fight as an example. I think that fight did something like six million pay-per-view buys or some outlandish number like that. And I'm pretty sure the people who watched that fight did not come back for more. They didn't come. They didn't say, "Oh, Javante Davis was on the undercard," or you know, this guy was on the undercard. I think um, 
Uh, I think Badu Jack was on the other card and people like that. But we're not going to invest into, you know, seeing how Javante Davis' career has progressed or anything like that. We just want to see this spectacle, which is Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. And that's what I think this is. I mean, yeah, it's going to bring viewerships on that night. Um, maybe it'll have additional fans, but to me, it's just a fucking farce. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely not saying it's fight of the century, but just from the money aspect alone, with days and losing on all the big fights, if this thing can bring you over $150 million, you put this damn thing on. Because days and needs to recoup some of the money. And I've been saying this for the longest that, you know, all the shows are putting on all the money they're throwing out. They got to get it back with big fights. And sadly, if this is the big fight they get it back on, some of that money recouped, then so be it. Who am I, Judge Fast Eddie Hearn, the used car salesman? But I'm very interested to see what the final numbers are for this fight. And uh, hopefully on a future podcast, we can discuss the impact that it that it had, whether negative or positive. I agree. I agree. Logan Paul, middleweight champ, 2022. <laughs> but on to something else, which last week we covered uh, what makes somebody a Hall of Fame fighter. And this week, since Lomachenko fought, um, some guy on Twitter that really had the worst pound for pound I've read in years, I figured we'll talk about the pound for pound list, uh, each of us. We were going to have a special guest on, but they tapped out, so we're going to have three pound for pound lists to compare. Right now, we'll just have two, mine and yours. Uh, to your opinion, what you know is your take on a pound for pound fighter as far as what do you use as criteria to put them on the list? Well, it's it's a, a little strange with mine, and I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will disagree. I go with uh, accomplishments, resume, and hypotheticals. And I know a lot of fans will disagree with the hypothetical part, but that's what I go with. I feel like it take Terrence Crawford for example, which I think should be on everyone's top five pound for pound list. Um, and he's on mine, and I hope he's on yours. But if you just go hypothetical alone, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I don't. Th- it, it's looking like PBC and, and and top ranks will never fucking make these fights. But if he fights Pacquiao, Garcia, Spence, Porter, and Furman, I'm pretty sure that Terence Crawford goes five and zero in those fights. And that's what I mean by hypotheticals. How would someone fare against? Another opponent. Uh, resumes, of course, what they uh, did and accomplishments. If someone is an undisputed champion at their division, they should be in the top five. And, and, and that's just my um, that's my opinion. Someone like Usek, who absolutely dominated the cruiserweight division, and I feel uh, is going to be very avoided in the heavyweight division, should be in the top five pound for pound list just because of that accomplishment. So that's really my criteria that I go by. Mine is probably the same as yours. I would say, I wouldn't say I use hypothetical, but I use the eye test, which is, I guess, similar to a hypothetical, but just when you could see that somebody's really good, like, for example, Lomachenko, a few fights in, we knew was a pound-for-pound fighter, but he had to get the resume to back him up. And once he got the resume to back him up, it was easy for me to put him into the top 10 pound-for-pound on my list. And as we go on, actually, let's uh, let's open up our pound for pound list. I don't know about your number one. I think you probably have Crawford. I myself, I have Lomachenko at number one. 
I have Terrence Crawford. I can't argue with Crawford. The only issue I would have is that his overall resume is good, but there's no marquee wins. But then, as you were saying before, the hypotheticals get Crawford up to the number one ranking. Um, you know, if you look back in retrospect on his career, Postal was the best win, in my opinion. Uh, Delorme at the time didn't look bad, but then after we see what Delorme really was, Gamboa didn't look bad at the time, but it wasn't bad, I guess. He was going up with the middle weight, but I'll still accept that. Uh, John Molina, we knew who he was. Felix Diaz, I think, Thank lost you. his next fight after Crawford. You know, like I said, um, part of my process is hypotheticals. And I, maybe this sounds like you said, the eye test. Who knows the business end of this? Who knows whose fault it is between top ranks and PBC? And who knows if these fights are ever going to be made? I hope they are before, you know, these people. I mean, Pacquiao's already out of his prime, so I don't I don't put him in that category. But Porter, Spence, Keith Furman, if he gets back to the Keith Furman O, which is debatable if he will or won't. And uh, there was another dude that was on that list that I'm I'm not remembering right now. But um, if he fights these, oh Garcia, Danny Garcia, if he fights these guys, then and I I truly believe that he has the skill set to beat them all. It's just the business end of them. It, it just seems impossible right now to make, which is sad because if he beats these five guys, which I think he would, it, there's no debate that he's the the pound for pound king. His resume right now is, is is average, but I think he's a tremendous fighter. I think he has the ability to beat you with the right or the left hand. He has toughness to him. You can you know you've seen that in some of the fights where he's been wobbled. That he has he has toughness along with skill. I, I just think he's he's a, a tremendous fighter, and uh, I don't I'm not disappointed or 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 disapprove if someone has him at number two. And has Lomachenko at number one because, you know, it's a toss-up in my opinion. But Terrence Crawford right now is my number one. Oh, I can't knock him being number one. Um, I just don't think he has the resume back it up where Lomachenko does have the resume. My number two happens to be Crawford. Uh, as you said, you know, eye test-wise, I could see he's good. But also at the same time, back in my mind, I don't know if he looks really good because who he's fighting instead of fighting a tier guy, which – isn't really necessarily his fault. You know, when he was at 140, it was a lot weaker than what it was today. But we're just going to have to wait and see with Crawford. If he keeps on winning, you know, there's no way you can take him out of a top three, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Who do you have? Uh, your number two. Okay. Mashenko is my number two, as I think. I, I truly think um, if you're a non-biased boxing fan, which I know you and me both are, uh, you have to have either Lomachenko at number one or Crawford at number one, Lomachenko number two or Crawford at number two. I don't think there's any other fighters that can um, that can have those claims of being the best. Lomachenko is not my number two. Um, a fantastic fighter, obviously. Um, probably, I mean, he can easily, he, he's pretty much 1A. Or 1B, whatever you call it. You know, like, it, it's very hard to um, 
I don't know. He, he's just he's a fantastic fighter, man, and he's probably going to be the undisputed champion soon at at uh, 135. And he uh, has dominated three divisions, and he's he's just a, a truly great champion. And uh, he he just seems like one of these guys that demands the best fights. You know, I mean, a guy that takes on a, a, a rugged, a rugged, rugged, rugged veteran like Orlando Salido in their second fight. And uh, still takes him on when he fucking, what was he, a welterweight when <laughs> and, a, and a fucking night of the fight or whatever? Yeah. So, I yeah, I think he weighed 138 at the actual weigh-in or some ridiculous shit like that. So, you know, props to him, man, and, you know, to take on Gary Russell in your third fight. Uh, Lomachenko is truly a special talent, and uh, he could probably retire today and become a Hall of Famer. You know, maybe... maybe Maybe I'm being a little bit uh, exaggerated with him, but I, I, in my opinion, he is. He, he's a Hall of Famer right now. So uh, that's my number two. All right, number three, I have Inua, the monster, over in Japan. I think he's a great fighter. He's still missing that marquee name. I mean, he's looked impressive with what he's done so far. Donaire's a little past. That's what's coming up for him. Uh, Payano was a little over the hill uh, when he beat, what was his name? Uh, the first fight that the Navarez, that was another fight where it was a good guy, but he was a little bit, I think on the downside of the career. So he's had some solid wins. I test wise, you can see he has ridiculous power for that weight division, but uh, I have him at number three. I got Yusek at number three. Uh, undisputed champion. Uh, gonna be a fucking problem on heavyweight. I think he uh he's fighting soon, I believe, in Chicago. I don't exactly know a date, but he's facing um uh I forget the guy's name. He's fourteen and with thirteen knockouts. Uh very very good uh ex kickboxer. Yeah, but, Sprung, Spring, yeah. whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. um I think it's October twelfth. October twelfth, okay. Definitely, definitely. So even though that's a, a warm-up fight, and I, I fully expect Usek to win, for all the fans that are listening, hopefully you all have seen Usek. But if you haven't, check him out because he's a special, special talent. Um, I truly believe he's going to dominate the heavyweight division. I don't think Anthony Joshua can beat him. I don't think Deontay Wilder can beat him. Maybe Tyson Fury has a chance just because he's a pure boxer. But Usek uh, has the opportunity to be um, – and this is where my hypothetical is coming again, unfortunately. But I believe he has the opportunity to be the uh, an undisputed heavyweight champion if they don't avoid him, which they very well could. You see what kind of what kind of fucking mess that was um, before Ruiz beat Joshua. So if they don't avoid him, he could easily be the well, not easily, but he could be the undisputed heavyweight champion. He's fantastic talent, uh, fun fighter to watch. And uh, that's my number three right there. I can't argue with him. I, I had him a little bit higher originally, but I don't know. I, I, well, we'll get to that when it gets to it. But uh, number four, I got Alvarez. I'm not a fan of his, but when you look at his resume and the weight divisions, he was one belts, even though the 168 really was a true title. But still, as much as I don't like him, it's tough not to have him in the top five. Fair enough. Okay, this is this is where uh, 
This is where your criticism is probably going to come in, Thomas. So I, I expect it. My number four is Earl Spence. He's my number four. Because, uh, first of all, I think the welterweight division is the best division. In boxing, maybe 140 can compete with it, but I think right now it's the best division in boxing. I don't think anyone, including Sean Porter, was probably going to lose to Spence. I don't think anyone could beat Spence at um, 47 except for Crawford. I don't think anyone could beat him at 54 if he, go, if he goes up there. And probably no one could beat him at 60. He's, he's a fantastic fighter. Even though Mikey Garcia was a smaller man, uh, no one really expected Spence to outbox Mikey Garcia. There was a lot of predictions that he was going to overpower him and knock him out. Um, but no one really expected that kind of boxing performance against um, Mikey Garcia. I also believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have rack in front of me. So I'm just speaking off of memory. So maybe I'm wrong here. But I believe he also went uh, to Kell Brook's home and, and beat him. And a, and a very uh, convincing performance. Just a great fighter to me. I feel like he's he has the potential to be higher in a list one day, uh, and a or a pound for pound king. Hopefully, him and Terence Crawford fight, man. That that would be one hell of a fight, man. And it's a shame that Aaron and 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 Al Heyman are keeping this away from the fans because this is probably also an addition what makes fans lose interest in boxing is that you got two pound for potential top five pound for pound. I mean, Errol Spence is debatable in a lot of people's eyes, but in my opinion, two top uh, five pound for pound uh, fighters, and, and they're not facing each other because of promotional promotional disputes, and I think that's bullshit. Uh, I think this is a reason why fans leave the sport. Uh, I know this is not a, a really related to the pound for pound thing, but I, I just... It, it, it's it, it's a strong thing because I, I think it, it, it destroys the fabric of the sport when you, you don't have these two great fighters fighting each other. But that's my number four is Errol Spence. I can't argue Spence being on the list. I think four is a little bit high unless you're going off my eye test, your hypotheticals. Not that he doesn't have the talent to be, you know, even two or three at this point or four. I just don't think he has enough. I mean, his big two wins – or Garcia coming up in weight. Everyone says two weight classes. It's not. He had a belt at 140, but being Lipnets. So he only went up one weight class. And the other one being beating Brooke. But, you know, you could argue that Brooke was having a tough time making 147 and just got that beating by the hands of Golovkin and the eye issue. And not to say that that takes anything away from Spence's victory. A lot of people thought Brooke would win that fight, stop Spence. Uh, I, I like Spence since the Olympics. He's born born in New York. A lot of people forget that. He's actually one town away from me. He grew up majority of his life, almost all his life in Texas, but he was actually born, born in Long Island, New York, which people tend to forget, especially with that accent and his pronunciation of fighters, which is worse than ours. But um, I'd love him as a fighter, though. I think he's a great fighter. I think if he beats Porter, you'd have a lot – well, I would have a lot more justification putting him higher on my list, but I'd have to see him beat Porter because that would be the first major win where no one could say anything negative about. You know, some people use the, the weight with Garcia, which I don't fully buy into because, like you said, Spence outboxed him. It's not like he went in there and 
and ball-rogged him and ran him over. He outboxed him. And what the Brook people can say, he had problems making 147 uh, and the eye issue, which I kind of still find false anyway. But the Porter would be the first fight where, well, you'll still have some idiots just with something to say. But the Porter fight would be the realistic first fight where if somebody had any criticism of it, Besides, if Spence got like a robbery decision, which I don't anticipate, he should win outright. Clearly, there shouldn't be any issue from from fans on that one, in my opinion. But and number five, I had your number three in Usyk. I had him at number, f- I think four last time I did my pound for pound, and I think I just dropped him down a little bit within activity. So it wasn't even anything that he did. You know, he had the injury and he's coming back against uh, Sprong, Tyrone Sprong. And it's not a great opponent, but that wasn't his first, second, third choice. So basically, since the Bellow fight, which I think was November, he's going to be all a year time. His only fight's going to be Tyrone Sprong, 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 whatever those name is. And again, nothing against him. Great fighter. Unified cruiserweight had some really, really big wins. And more impressive than the wins was going to people's backyards. You know, he beat Gassiev in Russia. He beat Bello in England. He beat Breedis in Riga. He beat uh, Huck, <clears throat> excuse me, in Germany. He beat Michael Hunter in the U.S. And those, and uh, Glowacki, he beat in Poland. I mean, those are some major wins in the division and going into the other guy's backyard, no less. And that's another thing I don't think people really talk about is that, you know, he's going on the road for some of these huge wins. Absolutely correct. Absolutely. Fantastic talent. My number five is the monster. You know, not the best of resume, but I guess you could say the same about Spence and and Crawford, but. Uh, just not the best resume. The best fight out there, I guess, is Neri, which uh, I don't think will ever happen because Neri's people, I don't think, will put him near the monster because they know how that will end. Facing Donaire next. Donaire is, uh, I don't think that fight's going to last five rounds. I, I mean, he's an excellent talent. He's just in a division that doesn't have a lot of you know, great opposition, uh, which is not his fault. You can only beat who's put in front of you. Uh, but definitely the talent is definitely there. Uh, I left Canelo off my, off my top five list. All his, uh, supposed signature wins, uh, are disputed. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't see, I mean, I didn't think he dominated Jacobs. I thought he lost the first Golovkin fight. Uh, I thought the second Golovkin fight could have went to Canelo or it could have been a draw. You know, I don't, I'm not mad either way. I think it could have went to Canelo. Uh, he went life and death on Austin Trout. He lost to Laura. I don't care what anyone says. And he got absolutely dominated by Mayweather. So I don't see him, you know, when he steps up, he doesn't have a victory that I can say, oh, he dominated the best. So uh, yeah. Canelo would be, you know, my number six. He would, he would be right out of top five, in my opinion. I, I can't argue with, with your, your thinking in that. And like you said, his big major fights – there's not one fight where you're like, oh, Canelo blew the sky out the water. And, you know, that I can fully agree with that. My number six is uh, I got G3. Even at his age, he showed signs of slippage, I thought, against Rolls. But at the same time, I mean, look what he's done recently. He's going to fight 
Derichenko, if he winds up winning that, that could justify him to some people that think he's lower in the top 10 or out of the top 10. You know, before that, the Alvarez fights, everyone has him in the top 10. Most people in the top five. I thought he won the first one easily. The second one I thought could be 115, 113, either which way or a draw. I personally thought G3 edged it out, but I couldn't really have an argument with Canelo winning either. Um, the Brook fight, yeah, Brook went up two weight divisions, but he still beat Brook's eye out of his head. And Brook right now fights at 154, so technically Brook probably only won up one weight division as far as his natural weight. Uh, Jacobs was a close one. I thought Gavakin won it with the knockdown, but I thought he still won it cleanly. And he has a lot of wins against middle-range opponents. Willie Monroe, David Lemieux, Martin Murray. Those guys aren't terrible fighters. They may not be great fighters, you know, pound-for-pound material. But, you know, all those guys at that point of him fighting him, I thought were in the top ten of that division. So those are still good wins. He just really made it look pretty easy. So that's why I have uh, G3 as my number six. And until he loses cleanly, clearly, it's hard not to have him in the top 10. I agree. That's why I have him at number seven. I have Triple J at number seven. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that his dominating win against the uh, great Spartan gladiator, Steve Rolls, definitely, um, you know, it definitely enhanced my opinion on him. I'm just joking, obviously. But, hey, he's he definitely, he's definitely um, in the top 10 to – even at this advanced age, you can't justify taking him off the top 10. Uh, I have him at number seven. I didn't really come up with a top 10 list, so whatever the rest of my list is going to be off the top of my head. I don't know if you came up with a top 10. so uh, uh, I, keep, I keep all my lists handy. Keep going. Fuck it. But it's going to be off the top of my head. <laughs> well, seventh at Spence. And as I stated, I think talent-wise, Spence could be – a two or four guy right now, but it was hard to put him in there without a really big signature win where no one could actually find anything to gripe about. But with the upcoming bout with Porter, that would be that fight, in my opinion. So if Spence was to beat Porter cleanly, I'd definitely move him up a couple of spots. Uh, number eight, I have Mikey Garcia. A lot of people kind of blew him off after the Spence fight. But at the same time, you know, last few years, Garcia was a two-weight division champion. He had really easy, solid wins against Robert Easter Jr., Lipnitz, Broner, and his trash can self. And that other guy, I can't pronounce his name, which hindsight wasn't a great win, uh, that Zach Lekanin guy where he won the, the WBC uh, belt in. But... Still, you know, those are Easter, Lipnitz, Broner, and going the distance, even though you lost their round, but going the distance with a, a, a bigger Spence. I, I, and when you look at his whole resume as far as career, to me, he still belongs somewhere on the bottom of that top 10 pound for pound. I could maybe switch nine and eight around, which is very feasible. But uh, right now I have Garcia at eight. He's going to be fighting, I believe, at 140, which is a little bit better of a weight division for him. And there's a lot of good guys at 140 where definitely, you know, he can fight and really prove that it belongs on my list. Okay. Let's see. Number eight. 
I have um, Regis. Regis. Oh, Regis, all right. Regis is my number eight. The kid is tremendous. Uh, I think he's going to be Josh Taylor, uh, which is a Josh Taylor is no pushover. Uh, he's pretty much the, he's shown that he's probably the strongest puncher in that division. I mean, the the guy, the guy can knock anybody out. He did, he doesn't get enough credit. Um, I think he's part of um the the Bella, if I'm not mistaken. And just in my opinion, the Bella has done a, a pretty terrible job not making him a household name because he should be at this point. He definitely. Top ten pound for pound talent. He's 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 gonna win that uh, tournament. He's uh, right now the best 140 pound in the world. And um, I hope I, I I think that Broner called him out. And I hope I hope that Broner gets that ass whooping. I, and I know you do too because I know you love Broner so much. I hope Broner gets that ass whooping. So that that's my number eight right there. I would put. The Progress Taylor winner in my top 10. And that's what, because my last two are pretty much wide open. Uh, but I, I would put the winner of that fight, I think, would really have a win that solidifies him. Because right now, I could see it, like you said, the eye test hypotheticals, I could see it in progress, but I need to see that win first. I mean, Terry Flanagan's an all right win. Julius Sandago, I mean, you saw what Crawford did to him. The Joel Diaz is is a nice win at the time, but when you hindsight some of these, they're like, yeah. But the win of him and Josh Taylor, I would definitely stick in my top ten because that's the number one guy at 140. And nothing against um, Ramirez, but the win of the Taylor Progress fight is definitely the number one guy at 140 for me. Absolutely agree with you. And all I have to say is that, as I said before, you cannot, you can only beat who's put in front of you. And he has absolutely demolished everyone that has been put in front of him. Everyone. And, and, and whoever wins that fight is definitely the best at 140. Definitely, without a doubt, deserves a, a mention in the top 10 pound for pound, even though I already have one of them in the top 10 pound for pound. But definitely, um, that is a must-watch fight, you know, for all the casual boxing fans out there. Please watch that fight. Uh, if you're a casual boxing fan, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But if you are, please watch that fight because it's that will probably turn you into a boxing fan. Uh, are, what are we up to, number nine? Number nine, I have Juan Francisco Estrada. Mm. I think if you look, he has the win, uh, excuse me, the loss against Wangnick. I thought he actually won. He beat him convincingly in the rematch, and that's what dropped Wangnick, if I'm pronouncing that right, outside of my top 10. Uh, the Quadras was a nice win. Her name, Marquez, was a nice win. His real clean loss recently to me was 2012 against Roman Gonzalez, and that's when Gonzalez was a pound-for-pound pound name, and that was a close fight. I thought it was about 8-4 Gonzalez, um, Roman Gonzalez won, but it definitely showed that Estrada, even back then, was – a definite pound-for-pound pound material guy in the making. Uh, since I don't have a ninth pick, I will, I will go with your pick because, to be quite honest with you, that's an excellent pick. A very, a very, very good underrated fighter. After the Gonzalez fight, that really was the second half of his career when he absolutely looked fantastic. You know, I'm actually glad that you have him in the top ten list. I'm glad that you give a, a fighter that 
that deserves it, that kind of credit. So definitely, that's a very good pick at number nine, and uh, I'll go with him as well at number nine. Uh, that sounds good. And number 10, you know, I'm wide open to, you know, Strada and Garcia, I could interchange. I could put Estrada easily at eight. I don't think I put him any higher at eight. And if Garcia doesn't get active soon, I mean, I could see myself logically dropping out of the top 10. And the other guy in my top 10 is just there off the eye test, and that's Lewis Neary. And again, you know, he has to step up and fight a, a better name opposition. But, you know, despite what you said about the 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 wins against Yamanaka, whatever the hell his name is, the Japanese guy, I always pronounce his names terribly. If you want to say the weight issue or him failing a drug test, but they still count for wins in the ledger no matter what happened during those fights. So you got to count him. The piano fight uh, and his last fight took him a little while to get warmed up, but took him out of there. The McDrill Royal fight, who was a pretty decent boxer, blew the doors off him. And you could really put a lot of guys in that 10th spot for me. And again, I'd put the Progress Taylor winner in. I could see when Fury and Wilder fight, I'd put either of those guys in my top 10. But I have to see somebody get that big win to get elevated into the top 10. So for right now, I have Neri. I think just by the eye test, he looks good as far as power. Him and Inouye would be a great fight if it happens. I don't think it will, but, you know, that would be a, a exciting fight with two pound-for-pound pound power punchers. But, again, with that 10th spot, you can interchange a few guys out if you kind of saw fit. But I, I think my top 10 is pretty solid. Uh, I was talking to a guy online on Twitter. His top 10, he didn't have Govakin, which is like, all right, I partially understand if, you know, you're being serious. He didn't have Neri, which I can't argue with. He didn't have Garcia, which was kind of a little bit odd if you look at his recent resume and everything he's done. He didn't have Spence, which was like, again, I don't understand that one. But the people he had was just comical, like, he had Tanaka, which I think was the closest guy he listed, which is he owns a belt in um whatever the third division is from the bottom. I can't remember the, the division. I don't really follow those really low, low divisions too, too much. Um, he had Ken Shiro, which if you look at who he has as far as wins, they're comical. Like the best two wins he listed, I think one guy was 24 and four and like 20 out of his 24 wins, the guys had less than 10 wins. And the That's other guy, listed, you know, the other guy listed, I think was 30 something nine. But in his 20th fight as a pro, he lost a pro debut guy who wound up being 12 and seven. Like those are your best. Two wins. And it's nothing against the lower, lower weight divisions, because I don't particularly follow them too much besides the major guys. And it's a lot like women's boxing in the fact that you can have these guys like that aren't Lomachenko that have single digit fights winning a championship because there's just not a lot of talent in those divisions. Despite yeah. if you're a big fan of Asian boxing, you've seen countless times where, I mean, granted, anyone's looking great, but you've seen countless other Japanese fighters come out of Japan, fight in the U S or fight major guys and, you know, wind up getting exposed. And there's just not, a lot of talent, despite what anybody tries to tell me, in those lower divisions. And it it's to me, it's like women's boxing. Like Clarissa Shields is probably going to be a three-division champion at, what, 10 fights. That's great, but who are you fighting? 
you know, there's just no one there to fight. And when there's no one there to fight, the brightest stars are going to shine brighter because you could be a B fighter down there and look like an A++++ fighter because you're fighting D and C level fighters. So, of course, you're going to look outlandishly good because who are you facing? I mean, I, I agree with you. By the way, my number 10 is Tyson Fury. But uh, to get uh, to your point, the lower levels, like you said, there's not a lot of competition, man. Like, who the fuck are you going to – what's the lowest weight class? I think um, I think it's called minimum weight at 100 pounds or something like that. I who think 106 is the minimum yeah. weight. It's like 100, 100, something, something like that. Who the fuck are you going to face? Who? Like – you can't even get like you, you can you're, you're sparring kids like <laughs> you can't get any there's no competition at 106 there's no there's hardly any competition at 115 or, or, or 112 so how 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 can you determine you know um if someone is worth you know that kind of pound for pound um you know reputation i don't know it, it's it's just that those those lower weight classes just they get no love and deservingly so to be honest with you. I mean they just they don't have the type of talent. They don't get any TV money because of because of that. Um, even though some of the some of the fights are pretty exciting, if you do see some of those fights from the lower weight classes, because they're just so fucking fast. But you know it, you can't really judge a great fighter from those divisions because who to, like you said, similar to women's boxing, who's Clarissa Shields facing. She's a fantastic female fighter, but she is so, she is light years ahead of most of the people that she's beating. So it's just one of those things where it's almost impossible to put them in a top 10 or even a top 20, uh, pound for pound. It, and <laughs> unless you have some kind of influx of, 106 pound fighters it's gonna be like that pretty much forever by the way where do you have someone like pacquiao i have my top 15 and a lot of that is based off overall career because a lot of people only look at a certain range or but i also factor in if you've been very steady for your whole career and that's Pacquiao has been that for me i i have my own opinions about the thurman fight i don't see how he got faster getting older when you compare him to the Matisse or the Broner fights or even Jesse Vargas, now all of a sudden you're really strong and faster than previously in those fights. But without actual proof, I'd still have him in my top 15. I'd really have to break it down and put him in. And the Tanaka, the one guy that's three divisions from the bottom, I've seen him fight a couple of times. He's not bad. I have him in my lower top 20, I would say. I haven't actually written one out, but he has some quality wins and I put him in there. But um, you know, this guy's trying to tell me Ken Shiro, and there, there's not a chance. Ken Shiro, I'm, I mean, come on, my I'm, son I'm, has a chance of knocking out Ken Shiro. I'm like, ah, right, he's 15 and 0, but he has like a fucking majority decision against a guy who gets absolutely obliterated by prospects. So I don't know, man. You're taking these trolls too seriously, man. Like, I don't think that was a that can't actually be an actual list where you have Ken fucking Shiro. Fucking Japanese hero at uh you know top ten pound for pound. Let's let's, let's that that's an exaggerated tale. See the the thing that killed me with this guy. Number one is his monkey on Twitter is something betting guru. But I looked at past bets and there's nothing guruish about it. But what made it funny was that 
He said he, all he does is base everything on resume. Nothing's eye test. There's no bias. So how do you have Ken Shearer on there? What's he done resume-wise? He had Donnie Nieves on there, who's not a bad fighter. He's very steady. But And granted, he has three – he's a three-division champ in the last three or four years. But who has he really faced? If you look at it, I mean, he'd probably be my lower top 22 just for steadiness and winning belts and things. But, you know, who's that man faced? Even with Inua, if you look at him – it's an eye test you're doing. He has no big win. It's an eye test. And yeah, it he, has, he has some solid wins, but it's an eye test. So how does it work for him, but not for Spence? He might be an Asian fan because, you know, he had anyway, he had like Tanaka, he had Shiro. He had the guy that Estrada beat, Wangyak or whatever his name was. Um, he had Donnie Nadison. That, that, that's like five guys in the first like three or four weight divisions, all that are Asian. Like, come on, bro, just to stop it. And I understand there's a matter of opinion, but he's one of those people that were like, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, you could tell me why you'd have fear in your top 10. And I could agree with it. Like, I may not have in mind, but I can understand. But if you don't have like Gavakin and saying, you know, what wins has he gotten that have been impressive? And the Jacobs win was close. But then you take Shiro, who just edged past a guy that was nothing. But it counts that he was close against Jacobs, but Shiro and getting close. Eh, I don't know. People are online idiots. That's the basic thing that comes out to. You've been caught in the web of online trolling. I'm, I, I hate to tell it to you, Thomas. No, there, there's some people that just think they know so much about boxing. but And I'm not saying we're geniuses or masterminds, but at least we have some logic as far as watching a few years. And I think we're both pretty unbiased. And also, I think we worked in the sport which kind of helps some other aspects as well. But you see some of these guys on Twitter with like 60 posts a day about absolutely nothing. And it's like, just tell me something interesting already, or, you know, anything. It's just, I don't know. Twitter's good to, to, to talk to a few really good boxing minds and to hopefully spread our show a little bit more. But it's bad because there's just so many people out there that are just trolls. And it's like, there has to be something better doing your life. I I agree, bro. I agree with that. On that note, fuck boxing Twitter. Um, but next week, hopefully we will finally have our guest or one of our guest options. Until then, there's absolutely nothing. Well, there's some things you could stream this weekend from the sport, but there's not going to be anything TV-wise, nothing major fight-wise. So if there was ever a weekend you were thinking about doing something, cutting the grass, having yard sale, having a few drinks with friends at the beach or something, this is the weekend to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But until then, folks, we'll catch you next week. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you next week on the show, and we'll have some more interesting topics to debate. All right. Peace.